Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. I'm Rebecca Jarvis, and I'm Being Boss. Today, we're talking about when to say yes and when to say no in your life and business with Rebecca Jarvis. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. Hey, bosses, you know that FreshBooks has been supporting us for a long time, but I want to give you some more specific features about how FreshBooks Cloud Accounting can help your business right now. So first off, let's talk about invoicing. You can create and send polished professional invoices effortlessly in mere seconds. Project deposits. There's a super handy deposit feature so you can invoice for a payment upfront when you're kicking off a project from the very beginning. Automated expenses. You can link your FreshBooks account to your credit and debit card so next time you expense that business lunch or a tank of gas, it'll show up automatically in your FreshBooks account and this is personally one of my favorite features. Proposals. Up your chances of closing the deal by using the proposals feature to add images and stylized text to your estimate. And e-signature. So you can easily enable your clients to approve and sign your proposals online so you can get to work faster. And then finally, customer support. If you have any questions whatsoever, FreshBooks award-winning customer service is over the top helpful, super friendly, and they have zero attitude. I've personally called them many times and they are so friendly. Plus a real life person usually answers in three rings or less. To claim your unrestricted 30-day free trial of FreshBooks Cloud Accounting, just go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Rebecca Jarvis is an Emmy Award-winning journalist and chief business technology and economics correspondent for ABC. You can find her on Good Morning America, World News Tonight, 2020, and more. And in case that's not enough, she's also host of the ABC podcast, No Limits, where she interviews women about what it really takes to build an empire. Just in here, turning all the gears. Yeah, I love it. You're right at home. Right at home. Right at home, bosses in ABC Studios with Rebecca Jarvis. Amazing. I'm so glad to have you here. I've never felt more legit in my whole life. (laughs) Yeah, I am going to start making David come in and set my mic up for me. David, I'm going to be here. This is my David, not you. Not That's you. Trevor. Right, Trevor, not you, Trevor's Trevor. Trevor's amazing. He works with ABC Radio. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get my own microphone adjuster. And I'm going to have security that lets me into my house. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I hope they were good to you. The security oh, guard oh, so nice. I told them to be good nice. to you. Aww. I'm such a fan of what you guys are doing. It's amazing. Seriously, I love what you're building. I love the community. I love the conversations. And I love how down to earth and real it is. Oh, well. Thank you. Very much. We're so excited to chat with you. So tell us your story. Okay, so we are in ABC, what would you call it, studios? Yes, so this is ABC Radio. Okay. Um, We are on the second floor inside of the ABC News building. My office is actually not far from here down the hallway. And uh, this is the studio where we do No Limits every week. And uh, you are exactly the kind of people that we have on the show because I'm interested in talking to women who are bold and influential and doing awesome things Ugh. like yourselves. Well, Thank we you. are so excited to have you on our show. You do all the things. So can you just kind of give us the lay 
lay of the land of what your job is here. And then let's dig into how you got there. Awesome. So I got my start. Um, I, I cover business, technology, and economics for ABC News. So Good Morning America, World News Tonight with David Muir, Nightline 2020, and This Week. And then I also do the No Limits podcast, which is awesome women like yourselves. I've said awesome way too many times already today, but I feel that it's just go. It's running through my veins because of the two of you. Um, so really um, interesting women who are doing the things in their lives, taking advantage of opportunity, making and creating opportunity, being bold, being boss, um, and looking at their stories and the trade-offs along the way, and also trying to look at success. And I, this is something I like that you do. It's not Success is such a strange word because a lot of us are in pursuit of this idea, but it's it's different. What success means is different for different people, and it also has trade-offs. There are always trade-offs between, you know, you get this opportunity, this job, that's going to mean something else for your personal life. Um, you you go to work for a company that you think is going to be the best thing in the world, the culture doesn't isn't the right fit, and all of a sudden you're at this impasse, and, and it's looking at, in the conversations that you have, very similar to what we're doing at No Limits, it's looking at how do we approach those decisions and trying to demystify some of those challenges along the way so that um, you can be more prepared for them and think more, you know, a little bit in advance about how am I going to handle this if this happens? Totally. I mean, I feel like there are those trade-offs. And I went into creative entrepreneurship almost rebelling against that idea. I was like, I can do it all. I can have it all. And that has led to some moments of burnout for sure. Yeah. Definitely. So I want to dig into a little bit like what some of those trade-offs have been for you and how you've dealt with probably the burnout that comes along with saying yes to everything to get to here, this beautiful studio where someone is coming in and setting up your mic for you, <laughs> right? But how, like, what was the starting point or the, the first point in your career where you felt like, in, maybe even in hindsight, like, oh, that was a moment that led me to that next moment that then led me to doing all the things here at ABC Studios. So I think, you know, I could go way far back in time to like high school and choices I made there, but I'll start with coming out of college. So I was graduating from school um, 2003, and I had a fair amount of student debt. And instead of immediately pursuing journalism, I instead started out in finance, which journalism, finance, law were all interests of mine at the time. And I in part chose that direction because I thought that if I did finance for a few years, it would allow me to pay off some of my student loans or maybe even all of my student loans, um, depending on the bonuses I got for my work, but that it would give me some freedom so that I could make career choices without having to think specifically and entirely about compensation. So by thinking about compensation in the first place, part of the career, being able to go elsewhere and, and pursue journalism. And honestly, I always say find a side door. And for me, that was sort of my side door. It was having this expertise in business and finance and coming to the journalism world as opposed to someone coming just straight out of journalism school, which, by the way, can absolutely work for you, too. But for me, it was having this expertise that helped me break through early on as a young journalist and gave me more seniority earlier on in my career. Um, and that was almost an unintended consequence of that background. And so that was a big, big moment for me. 
I love this idea of a side door so much because I feel like so many of us, you know, come out of school or come like or go into your career trajectory with like this this very narrow wedge of yeah. like I have to go do this one thing because that's what I've been going to school to do or that's what I've been training to do. But then you're just like everyone else who's doing the exact same thing as you. And, you know, you can even draw parallels here with uh, creative entrepreneurs having side hustles yeah. or, or you know, uh, full-time jobs with side hustles. This idea that what it is that you're doing on the side, the extra interest that you're pursuing apart from the main thing that you want to be known for is what gets you into the side door in a way that's going to make you more interesting and more valuable than the people who are just pigeonholing them into the obvious answer. Yeah, and I also think that in addition to that, this idea of everybody is rushing towards the entrance, and if you're trying to rush towards the entrance, you know, all these sharp elbows are coming your way, and that's not an enjoyable experience. But in addition to that, I also think, uh, and, and I, I talk to, uh, I've talked to my friends about this over the years, and I talk to a lot of people who are just coming out of school. If you think there's one perfect path, it's oftentimes you're stuck because unless like the the perfect thing reveals itself in front of you, all of a sudden you feel like you can't move forward. So rather than trying to think what is perfect and instead thinking this interests me and I can enjoy this in and of itself, but it also could lead to something else. I think that that mentality really helped me early on in my career. I mean, that's even starting out the conversation saying in hindsight, where do you think that entrance point was? Because you really can't see it at the time, no, right? You no. just have to follow. But I think it's interesting that you were following what would give you a certain amount of security and freedom. Were you ever worried about becoming like addicted to the money? And I mean, how does that work? That's a great question because I saw, so I was two years into banking when I decided I had to quit. And part of it was I saw these other people who early when I started, they were saying, I want to go teach. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it just started to peel back, you know, group after group all of a sudden was giving up and less interested in those other things. And I even remember I made a conscious decision when I left to not take calls from recruiters that were recruiting me for finance jobs. I said, I'm giving myself two years. I actually, when I when I left investment banking, I, I started in print journalism and I gave myself two years um, just saying, okay, I got it. Let's see what happens over these next two years. And I will look at my life two years from now. And if it hasn't sort of progressed in a way that I want it to, then I'll have to make a new evaluation. I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. Um, and, and you know, for people out there who might be thinking journalism, one of the things I did that also I thought was it ended up being really useful. But again, to your point, you never really know. I just asked a bunch of the editors out for coffee and pitched them story ideas based on my experience in the world I had seen. And one of the editors uh, for Cranes ended up saying, sure, yeah, come write for me. And that that made all the difference. I want to talk about this like two year time frame you gave yourself, because I talk to people all the time who who want to quit the thing or change the thing or do the thing or whatever. And I always ask them, like, do you have this exit strategy? You almost gave yourself even though like an entrance strategy (laughs) of like laying out what you wanted life to look like two years from now. Was it really you sitting down one day and saying two years from now, I want to have succeeded at this, this and this? Or is this something like 
looking at hi- looking in hindsight, you see it. Was it actually a very proactive plan? I don't think it was me sitting down one day. Uh-huh. But I do think it was somewhat of an evolution of me saying, okay, there are, for example, I wanted an actual job in journalism by the end of those two years. And I was living in Chicago at the time. And it, I didn't have the specific objective of, oh, I need to be in New York or something. But I wanted to be in a city. And I wanted my life to be reflective somewhat of the life that I was living at that point. So Chicago, New York, L.A., that was important to me. And while, you know, I I think the more interesting question would be if it hadn't worked out the way it would, would I have truly quit after two years and come (laughs) up with something else? Because I think at that point I would have been so deep in and I would have felt like, oh, I have to just if and it was it was always my dream. So it's like if you have a dream it's much harder to say, I've done my two years, if that was your plan, and then I'm going to walk, you know? Yeah. Know when to hold, know when to fold. I'm really, knowing when to fold is tough. Right. But I also feel like having that dream, having the patience to spend two years doing something else. I mean, but I guess you had the plan, right? Like that you knew that you were going to kind of niche in on this topic and that this would help support your journalism career. So you were going into it with an additional purpose. Beyond just making the money to pay off the loans, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, my mom. I shouldn't. I should say, my mom is a journalist as well. She's not a journalist in. She wasn't a journalist at the time in the market where I was. She she happens to now be a journalist in Chicago, but I grew up in Minneapolis, um, and she sort of laid out for me, especially when I was going to college, that if I went to college and I started out in journalism, I would never be able to pay off my student loans. And okay. that it was going to be, okay. and, and I, I, you know, that resonated with me. I wanted to be I able to. I felt like there was like a parent in I this situation saying, like, pay off your yeah. debt. Yeah. Pay Seriously. off your debt. <laughs> Seriously. And I'm glad, I'm so glad that my mom said that to me because, I, you know, I didn't have the interest in moving home. I, I'm sure my parents would have allowed me to move home if that was the thing that I had to do. But I really wanted to be independent and that wasn't going to happen without a type of job that I took on. You know, it's so funny hearing this because Emily and I were walking down the street earlier today getting here and I told her my dream was New York City. I wanted to be here so bad. And even whenever I was picking out schools to go to for college, I was looking at NYU and I was an art major. And so it would be perfect, right? And that tuition bill. So I, you know, and sometimes I'm impressed that as an 18-year-old, I had the foresight to say, like, okay, I don't want to have that kind of debt. And the sacrifice I'm going to make in that moment is going to school in my backyard, basically. I went to the University of Oklahoma. My tuition was less than my son's daycare. (laughs) That's probably because daycare is so expensive, not because the tuition was cheap, sadly. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about today. Like, what does today look like for you? What are you doing in any given day? So I start my days. Most mornings start around 5 a.m. That's when I'm getting to go to Good Morning America in the morning. And and usually whatever story I'm covering, whether it's something about technology, we've been talking a lot about Facebook and Amazon lately, uh, whether it's about the economy, you know, we're talking about the market and what's happening in China right now and trade, um, or we're talking about, you know, there's a lot of other things that we could be talking about on the air as well. But those are those are the things I'm prepared to talk about when I go into Good Morning America. Good Morning America starts at 7 a.m., so usually I'm on the air around 7.15. 
then I'm on the air for a little bit, then I start turning my attention to the rest of my day, which usually I try and leave Good Morning America and go to the gym if I can. Um, I do a lot of meetings at that point in the day. Then I come here and I tape No Limits interviews. And then I start turning my attention towards World News Tonight, which I start putting a story together for that. And by 6.30, I'm getting ready to go on set with David Muir for that show. Um, And then after that show, I start turning my attention again back to Good Morning America for the next morning. Or if I have a story running on Nightline that night, I'm working on that story. So is that like a 14-hour day that you just described every day? There's a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of 14, 15-hour days. Okay. So... And you mentioned burnout earlier, and it's it's real. I mean, there it's not are always you there easy. right now. Oh. There's a lot of mind over matter, and I'm sure you know that feeling too. Well, yeah. but tell us more specifically what you mean by mind over matter. So I, I'm 36 years old now, and I recognize that you can't trade your health. Um, which is something I did all throughout early on in my career. I mean, especially when I when I really early started, I would sleep three hours a night and just go, go, go. And I often reflect on that. We've had Ariana Huffington here talking about the importance of sleep. And, and I completely agree. It is very important. And especially now, I feel the importance of it more than I did early. But I also think that had I not said yes early on in my career – had I not just gone to the nth degree day after day, mind over matter, I don't know that I'd be able to be here right now. And that's a real struggle for me um, because, you know, you get this physical body once, right? And if you do irreparable harm to it by not taking care of yourself, then you can't experience the fruits of your labor. But at the same time, there are these major trade-off moments where you just have to keep going. Or at least in my experience, I really doubt that I could be here if I hadn't. Right. So tell us a little bit about that, because I do feel like there is this trend right now in self-care and saying no to protect your energy. Emily and I did a whole episode about this where we've been saying so much yes, though, and we couldn't have gotten to where we are right here today if we had been protecting our energy and saying no all the time. We had to say yes to everything and hustle and work some late nights and make some sacrifices. So Um, Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Well, I think there are trade-offs no matter what. Both options have trade-offs. You say no all the time early on. Maybe you're protecting yourself. Um, Maybe you're getting to do some of the things that are near-term really important to you. But if you're saying that to a boss, I don't know how long that boss will be your boss for. Um, and, And even beyond that, if you're saying no and you're out hustling as an entrepreneur and you're saying no early on, Things might not come to fruition because I bet, like you, the randomness of those yes experiences oftentimes works out to be something even bigger than what you had imagined. Um, It's really it's really tough. I don't have all the answers. I know for me. By saying yes early on. And and actually, Alexis Ohanian, you guys know Alexis Ohanian, the creator of Reddit. So he has this whole thing where he says, say yes all the time and then learn quickly when you need to start saying no. And I think for me, I only learned maybe in the last year and a half, two years of my life that saying no is important. Um, But I could only do that because of where I where I've gotten, I think. 
I think it's like good to say yes whenever you're in your 20s and you have the energy. I, yeah. I'm just tired now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm too tired right? to say yeah. yes anymore. Well, and and I think the important thing to always keep in mind is going back to like what your definition of success is. Yeah. Where if your definition of success is pretty grand, you're like what you're going to have to give up and say yes to is going to be more like you have to say yes you have to show up you have to give it your all and you know maybe that does mean giving up a couple hours of sleep in your 20s and 30s for sure but you're going after that thing that you want and i think if you define that for yourself very truly you can you can reframe it so that it is simply worth it. But I think mm-hmm. the I think the important thing is knowing when you've reached that place in success where you can be happy and then like stop and take care of yourself. And not that it's like obviously that cut and dry. Right. But I think you need to know what you're working for and work for it and feel good about it. Because I know there's like all this hating on the hustle these days. <laughs> but guys, I admire the hell out of someone who is going to show up, rally, and get done what it is that they're here to get done if it's, you know, for themselves, if it's for your definition of success. So yes, like, give it up, say yes to things, but then do know when it is time to start saying no. Okay, so what are some examples of some things that you said yes to along the way that our bosses could learn from? And and did you learn any lessons along the way about like, oh, maybe I should say no to things like that? Did you start to kind of learn your boundaries by testing your boundaries? Well, in my field, I said yes to a lot of networking. So any kind of in-person networking, even if I wasn't really sure who might be at that event, I would say yes, because it was an opportunity for me to go out and get to know more people. Um, Speaking, for me, I get approached to do public speaking a fair amount, and I would say yes to all, again, with the idea that I'd meet new people and I'd get to understand that world. And then also work-wise, you know, there were – so my husband and I, um, we lived uh, in separate cities for two years. We did long distance. So I lived in New York. He lived in Hmm. Chicago. I mean, I guess with 14-hour days, you – we were both working so much Might that it actually, well. yeah. It, but it, it was it was tough. And one of the things that I did, and thank goodness it all worked out. And my husband is incredible and an absolute partner to me. Um, early on, you know, I'd get approached on a Friday night by my boss. Can you work on this story over the weekend? Well, you know, here I am. It's six thirty p.m. on a Friday. I've got a seven thirty p.m. flight that I'm barely going to make, and I have to make an, a, a decision at that point. Do I get on the airplane and go hang out with my husband for the weekend or do I do the story? Get on the airplane, girl. (laughs) Get on the airplane. Well, so thank goodness I have a husband who was, you know, he understood when I didn't get on the airplane. Oh, so there were times there were times I didn't. And there were. Yeah. And and he because of he and I both started in um, in a world where we were actually working together back to back in a cubicle. So he, I think, appreciated what I was working towards. Um, And thank goodness, again, if I had felt, I think if I felt differently about our relationship, that I felt like he wasn't supportive, I think it would have been a harder decision for me. I am so thankful to him that it was never um, an ultimatum on his part, like, oh, if you don't get on this airplane, we're done. 
that would have made it so much he more difficult. He fell in love with the hustle. Yeah, he I mean I I seriously I think a lot about partnerships and how important if you have that partnership, how important when you're in a position like the ones that we're in that is so key. 100%. This Being Boss episode is brought to you by 2020, where creative minds get authentic, real-world stock photos. If you're looking to positively inspire your audience on social media or on your blog, you'll want to use engaging, fresh photos that are unique. 2020 has crowdsourced millions of exclusive photos from a community of over 350,000 photographers, all available under a simple, royalty-free license. Today, they're offering listeners of Being Boss a five-photo-free trial. To start yours right now, go to 2020.com slash beingboss. That's the word 20, then 20.com slash beingboss to get five free photos. Okay, I have a question about networking. Yes. Can you give us some tips or advice for networking? Because we have a lot of introverts listening, but even, you know, I consider myself an extrovert. Okay, I just turned introvert this year. <laughs> Kathleen Why did you turn the bug? I think it's that being tired. I'm just tired. I'm tired. <laughs> but, um, but my question is, like, even extroverts, sometimes, like, you can get hit with shyness or just feeling like you don't belong in a room and... Do you have any advice for us there as far as networking goes? So I tell myself when I go into rooms, and I feel shyness too, and I can be I, – I would say I, pro, I started out really introverted, and I've become slightly more extroverted through trial and error. And I think one of the biggest things I tell myself when I go into a room is, first of all, no one's paying attention to you. Everyone's in their own world trying to be their best. So if you're the weird person in the corner, they're not noticing that you're the weird person in the corner. Also, whatever comes out of your mouth, no matter how bad you think it is, again, people are thinking more about the thing that they're saying as opposed to judging you for whatever it is that you're saying. So I think one of the things that helps me is to go in and think of it as I'd like to have a curiosity conversation. Every person in this room probably has something interesting about themselves. What can I learn about the people in this room? And I approach it in that way and and in the way of how can we get real? You know, I think people underestimate because when you see certain people, you think, oh, they're like the best networker because they're in, hey, hey, I can <laughs> right? like start a conversation. Those aren't the people anyone really wants to talk to. Like the long conversations that people really take the most away from are the genuine ones where you show a little bit of vulnerability. I mean, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to, you know, you have to know your audience a little bit, but it's not the worst thing in the world to say, like, I'm terrible at this. Like, I hate networking because I'm not this is not my thing. And then all of a sudden that person nine times out of 10 is going to say, yeah, I know, I feel the same way. And getting to know that person across from you in an honest way, I think is really key. It doesn't hurt, especially if you've got something that you're trying to sell. It doesn't hurt to have kind of like an idea of your opener. But I think real and authentic is so much more valuable than wowing somebody right off the bat with all the things you know and what you're capable of. Yeah, I mean, any natural conversation is going to come around to what it is that you do. So, like, starting with, hey, I'm so-and-so and this is what I do, like, eh, you just bypassed all the, like, good conversation and just went right into what it is that you're here for. And that makes everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. 
I also think not focusing on trying to meet the most influential person in the room. And this is something I learned, especially in the creative entrepreneur space is, yes, I could go and try and meet the the person who is going to be rocket fuel to my business. But in some ways, I really like the idea of having conversations with people who I'm in it with, and we could all build each other up and become that next wave of influencers. And I don't mean that in like the bloggy sense of influencers, but people who are making things happen. Completely. Yeah. I think finding people that you connect with in a genuine way to me is what it's all about. Now, there are occasions where I go into a room and there's somebody that I need to interview, you know, for example, uh, a high level government official or something. And I know they're in the room and I have to try at some point to make my way to that individual. And I will do that in all honesty. But I also approach networking, especially now as enjoyment. How can I how can I have a really interesting conversation and get to know that person in a real way? And I think asking questions is really key too. Okay, wait. So whenever you go into a room and you need to get an interview, are you trying to meet them so that then you can pitch them for the interview or you're getting your sound bite then and Some there? Some of both. It depends. Okay. If it's an aggressive interview, there could be a time where I have to go like for example, um many years ago, uh the CEO of Apple Tim Cook was uh, on Capitol Hill and I chased him into almost into the men's bathroom because I was trying to get sound from him. Um, and I've since interviewed him in a much less right. <laughs> awkward place, but I, I chased him into a bathroom early on. Um, um, Martha Stewart, I was, she, she, my boss told me, go get an interview with her and she was on a red carpet. And so that was super awkward because I had to chase her on the red carpet. And I didn't realize that when you're interviewing people on the red carpet, you, everybody has a spot. So as a journalist, you have to stand in your spot and just hold your microphone out and then hope that they'll stop and talk to you. But I didn't know that it was the first red carpet I've ever done. And so I started chasing her and I'm accidentally in everyone else's shot because all the other photographers, I'm, I'm and they were all yelling profanity. It was so stressful. And then my cameraman started yelling back at them, like, back off. She's just a kid. (laughs) That sounds scary. Scary. Okay, I have some questions about personal branding because that is something I'm so passionate about is, you know, blending more of who you are into the work that you do. And, I think it's so cool that you have a name, right? Like right now, I'm literally looking at this board that says ABC <laughs> News, No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis. And here you are. So I'm curious about what you think about personal branding, especially within the context of the support and backing of a network like ABC. I think that this is something that creative entrepreneurs can learn a lot from because I think so many of us want to be so independent that we end up closing ourselves off to opportunities for collaboration or support or resources. So what has that been like for you? So I think one really key point there is finding a culture that you can do what you want within. Um, And it might not be immediately obvious to you, but if you have that entrepreneurial spirit, not all businesses of the size of an ABC News are going to be open to that. And so finding that is key. And then within that context, I think it's really uh, what I have done and tried to do is I thought, what are the conversations I really wish were out there? And I, I assume that you guys were thinking the same thing with being boss. 
it's where is there a yearning, a desire inside of me for this thing? And if I care about that thing and I'm not getting it, then why wouldn't I be the one to create it? Because I bet there are other people who also feel that missing spot. And if I can play a role in that and bring a huge community of people into that conversation, that's going to both nurture me, but it's also going to hopefully down the road help other people too. So I'm curious, are you technically freelancing? Like, could you say no to some of the Good Morning America jobs or some of the or is it like this is your job? You need to do this. Do you know what? Do you have a choice? Yeah, I think it's there are there's balancing. Good Morning America is my job. OK, I go to Good Morning America almost every day to do whatever story it is that I do for ABC News. And, you know, back to the idea of of saying yes and trying to keep yourself from burnout, I have to balance that job, which is the reason I was hired to work here, with my other desires, which this I'm so lucky that this company appreciates what we're building here with with the podcast and with other work that I'm doing. Um, but it is a balancing act. So did you pitch No Limits? Were you like, yes. hey, I want to, okay. So For years, I, I was like, please, can we please, please, please do this? Good. Guy. I love that you did that because we also have a lot of listeners who work day jobs. And I think that there is such an opportunity there to do creative things. So even at my first agency, I was blogging on the side and then said, hey, advertising agency, why don't we have a blog? You know, and it's never a bad thing to pitch new ideas, especially if you can get someone else to pay you to do it. You know, if you're trying to tiptoe your way into something more creative, you can create creativity within the context of an organization or company. You just have to ask. Yes. And you have to, in my experience, you have to be okay with hearing no many times before you get to yes. And it's all about just continuously going back. I am sure as you guys hear all the time from people you interview, you're going to hear no, or at least in my experience, you're going to hear no way more times than you're going to hear yes. And getting the yes is a matter of continuously coming back, refining your idea, asking someone else, thinking differently, and being okay with the fact that it might not be immediate. Uh, I want to talk about like getting the yes, though. Like what was tweaked to the point where you got the yes? Like what was the ask that got the yes? Well, I think part of it was podcasting. I was I was pitching a podcast and sort of this idea of what I, I, I used to work for another company, CBS. And back at CBS, I did this another show called The Startup. And I've always been interested in entrepreneurship and how entrepreneurs build their businesses. And so back then I was thinking podcast. But the this this studio that we're sitting in right now was down the road from here. So it wasn't in the same building. And podcasting wasn't necessarily the thing that everybody else had their eyes on. Now it feels like everyone's talking about it. Well, you know, five years ago when I was originally saying, let's figure this out, how do we do this? Most people weren't thinking about it. So it was it was coming back over and over again. I kept saying we need to do something with women because for me, um, so much of the business beat and the technology beat has been a focus on men who are building businesses, which bravo, <laughs> I There are a lot of awesome men who are building awesome companies, but I really wanted to demystify the path that women had taken to get to those roles. And I think also personalizing it for me and, and saying, I understand that you're not necessarily seeing this out there yet, 
But I'm telling you, this is where I would listen. This is what I desperately want. And if I would listen, there's got to be another audience. And and just, you know, pulling statistics and things like that. Like, look at where things are going. Look at who's listening to podcasts. Look at who's spending money uh, in areas where advertisers that advertise here are interested. Love that. You know, I also think that there is a certain amount of timing that comes with things like this. Whereas if you had launched this podcast five years ago, it might not have done as well. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we've certainly learned in our business and really learning how to trust that kind of timing. So I have two questions and they're kind of unrelated. One is in that trust aspect of like how much you know, values or even like spirituality do you bring into your career? Because I feel like that's something that a lot of women are doing. It's certainly something that Emily and I do with like an intentional practice every month. But then my other question. Oh, shit. (laughs) Lost it. Do you want me to answer that one? Yeah, let's answer that one. one? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do that all the time, by the way. It's the the entire thing. You lose your train of thought. That's I've only had five hours of sleep the past two nights. I know, but you talking about all your stuff, I'm like, whatever, Kathleen. You can deal with five hours. Oh, no. no. (laughs) But I had a baby that didn't sleep for two years at all. I mean, he was up 12 times a night. So I kind of have like PTSD about sleep. Our poor listeners heard me talk about it for many years. And then I stopped (laughs) talking about it. But anyway. Were your listeners writing in saying stop talking about it? They sometimes, yes. Really? Oh, I I don't read that. I don't don't read those. So um, on the – I'm glad you don't read those, by the way. That's good. That's useful. Um, Okay. So – Values. Values are so important to me. Integrity is so important to me. Um, And everything that I am doing at this moment is trying to, in many ways, be the voice that I wished was there early on in my career and trying to come at the conversation from the most real and vulnerable and honest place that I can at this moment in my life. And it's a really, I just, the word authentic and real and honest is very much overused, I think, right now. But at the same time, I feel like we're so desperate for it. And you know it when you see it, and it's the real deal. Um, and so that is that is one of the for me, driving principles of the whole thing. And also, you know, finding meaning. You you work so hard and you get to this place and it's a successful place maybe on paper. And then you kind of look around and and I've I've felt absolute gratitude for the position that I'm in. But at the same time, I know it's not the whole thing. And it's really important for me to keep pursuing opportunities and and challenges that nourish me. And so I kind of always like in terms of where I say yes now it's is this going to nourish me and is this going to make me whole and more complete of a human being and could I with this opportunity help other people as well feel that wholeness and that completion uh, I love that Okay, my other question has to do with rejection. I feel oh, yeah. like I feel like <clears throat> journalists are really good at it because you're. <laughs> is, am I wrong? I mean, I'm getting I, rejected all the time. Yeah, do you guys get a class in that in school? I, like, but I take do notes? feel like it's you the have life class. <laughs> no, it's the life class. You know what it is? Rejection. 
there's rejection every day. I mean, if I showed you the number of emails that I've sent pitching people either to come on No Limits or to be the people that I'm interviewing for ABC News, we're constantly being told no. Constantly. And sometimes, by the way, your boss is also saying you must make this a yes and you can't. Um, in addition to that, this this business is in some ways a zero sum game. And what I mean by that is there's one chair, you know, there's one anchor chair, there's one uh, business correspondent chair. And there are going to be times where that chair is not yours. And I think for me, one of the things that I've done in this business is I, I recognize that a lot of the time it's apples and oranges. It's not like two of the identical people walk into a room and they audition for the same opportunity. I try and say to myself, well, I'm an apple and that one's an orange. And hopefully someday they'll be interested in an apple. But I also feel like personally I, I've tried really hard to, you know, you never have full control over anything. But I've tried to build out this and what we're doing right here, because I have some additional control over that. And for me, it's leaving your fate entirely up to the decisions of others and sometimes not even their decisions. It's like not only do you have to wait for your boss to want you to be in the role, but you have to wait for someone else to no longer want that role. Like that's I don't really want to wait for that. Instead, I'd like to build something that I think is really cool and do it every day. All right. I want to talk now about rejecting. So rejection. (laughs) But like, but saying no. So we've talked a lot about saying yes. Yeah. And how you should be doing that until you shouldn't. But at what point is the shouldn't? I don't think it's a mathematical equation. Um, But I do think that. When you are at a point of being overtaxed such that it's hindering and impairing your health and also your product, you have to reevaluate. And if you recognize that you're getting sick a lot or you recognize that the work that you're doing isn't good anymore, shoddy work, then you have to take a step back and evaluate. And even beyond, beyond that point, Once you've sort of that would be the early stages, I think, of saying no, I think beyond that point, once you start to take a step back, you know, especially for us whose inclination is to say yes everywhere. I have an incredible producer, Taylor Dunn, who's sitting in the other room. She helps me actually as a sounding board where my inclination would be to say yes. And my husband is is like this, too. They will say, wait a minute, take a step back. Do you really care about that if you don't? Your time is too precious for that right now. And I also think that time is seasonal, too. You know, like sometimes in certain seasons of your life, things are going to make sense. You know, you're you're a relatively new mom. You had to say no to things at times. I mean, I mostly still said yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> this is why I'm so tired. <laughs> I mean, and I, I don't know. I guess yes, I kind of recant yes. that, too. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't even I'm not speaking. I I. I'm not a mom yet. Hopefully someday I want to be a mom. Um, but I talk to my friends who are our new moms, and they talk a lot about this idea of seasons, and there are going to be different seasons. Sometimes you put your foot on the gas, and sometimes there are things happening outside of your control, so you have to put your foot on the gas. 
Yeah, I mean, for me and my experience, and I've talked about this before, you being pregnant, I felt like everything was growing at the same time. And I was like, mm-hmm. why? Why does my most fertile time have to be <laughs> when I'm like really building up my career and all of that? But there are certainly sacrifices. And if there aren't sacrifices, there are the feelings of, yeah. you know, guilt or burnout or whatever that come or with anger. it or anger. And so that's probably the trade off there. Um I want to go back to back to what you were saying about like when it is that you say no, because what you're basically defining and what I want to punctuate as much as I can is this idea of having standards. <laughs> and yeah. in the beginning, it's really about, you know, the work that you're doing, because early on in your 20s, early 30s, like you are there to work <laughs> kind of just for retirement. I'm looking out at retirement now and it's it's going to be a beautiful place. I'm sure Wait, of it. you were working <laughs> for retirement at your 20s. I mean, you're going to school. Like, you don't, you're not doing Are you it talking about traditional specifically. Path? I'm not any of oh, it. Oh, okay. Like, I'm working now to have a happy old age. Oh. I'm just saying. I'm keeping it into, like in it. perspective, okay, guys. Okay. But early on, it's about keeping those work standards. And it's when opportunities start really affecting your ability to deliver what it is that you're delivering in in the way that you have defined its, like, goodness. Yeah. Like you have standards for the work that you do. Whenever things come in um, that would hinder that, that's those. That's the times when you say no. But I do also agree that as you get older and as you're also building a life, you have to work the life equation into like, what are these standards for my life and my work mm-hmm. and start folding all those together. So I just want to like punctuate that. It's have some standards, guys, and hold to them, please. And it you made me think of something that actually has also been a theme for me that I think is so important, which is the times to say no early on are if it compromises your integrity. Because that short-term gain, and, and I do think when you're young, you get sometimes approached with these very short-term gain choices. And if it compromises your integrity, that's something I, I I believe you can't buy it back. So that is the if there is a compromise there, say no early on, and I don't think you will regret it down the road. Agreed. I also think that there's this aspect of just experimenting. So whether you're actually young, like in your twenties, or young in your creative career. I think that saying yes to a lot of things is really great for just figuring out what it is that you really want. You have to experiment. And that means that if an experience isn't good, it's information. It's a lesson about what you can say no to later. So true. Okay. Do you ever, now that you're saying no, are you saying no now a little bit more? Okay. Um, Do you ever (laughs) have, do. (laughs) do you ever have like fear of missing out? All the time. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Um, well, it's not always perfect. I definitely can go down that FOMO role, um, especially the Instagram rabbit hole. I don't know if you guys have been there or not, um, but you're every day, <laughs> yeah, every day. We're like, yeah. Somehow but- I always end up on Kylie Kardashian's Instagram, <laughs> and you think you're missing out on her life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I should get lips. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, I would say so. I try really hard to live in the moment. It's not always easy, but I do. And I try to remind myself there are things I say no to because I know even though it might look good on Instagram, it's not really the thing that I really want to spend my time doing. And if I'm enjoying, like, let's say I said no because actually this is my downtime and I'm getting to spend it with my family and my friends, 
that's actually really important to me. So even though there's that feeling of, oh, maybe I should have done this thing or been at this place. Well, life is too short sometimes for that. My One of my best friends, she always says, you get to choose your choices. Like you choose your choices. Sure. And that's really helped me with the fear of missing out is, okay, I could be building up a side hustle in the amount of time that I spend working out. But you know what? I choose my choices. Like, I'm not going to feel bad about this. And even the mom guilt stuff. Yeah. You know what? I choose my choices. My kid is going to an awesome daycare, even if he, if, even if it wasn't awesome. Like, I'm not going to apologize for it because I'm trying to do the work that fulfills me as well. So we're all choosing our choices. And I think that the more you can own it and not feel bad about comparison or fear of missing out, the better you're going to be able to focus your efforts in the work that you are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is if you're not present in whatever that thing is, then you are definitely missing out. I've I tried. That's why I do try really hard to be present. I also think to the choose your choices point, you can make a change. If you ultimately decide that whatever the thing is, in most cases, not every case, but in most cases, if you decide the thing that I've doubled down on is not the most valuable thing for my time, then it's time to make a change. Okay, can we get really practical with your scheduling for a second? Sure. And just even just staying mentally organized. Like, do you have, I'm talking real practical. Are you in Google Calendar? Like, what? what I have an you- Outlook calendar. <laughs> Perfect. Like, my, what are you doing everybody to Everybody sends me invites. So this is, here's my calendar. So everybody sends me invites. For example, I had a call that I needed to make today that was because I needed to return something. So I have that phone call here with the number, the confirmation number. So I try and schedule everything on my Outlook calendar so that at least it's all in one place. So your calendar is also acting as your task list. Yeah, I use my... Okay. Great point. Yeah, I use my calendar as my task list. I I schedule exercise in my day. I schedule... Everything that's going to happen is on this calendar. And then do you all have a gym here? No. You, okay. Yeah, there's so one across the, the street that I can go to. There's one near my apartment, and I go to classes, random classes here and there. And so then are you having to do your makeup twice a day? All right. I love this question. <laughs> like we need so, to get really, really this here. This is a great question because my day starts so early and they do full hair and makeup. What I do is I remove my uh, foundation and all of that makeup. I leave my eye makeup on and then I shower post-workout, but I don't wash my hair. Ick. I know for some of you that's gross. Girl, but it's fine. Whatever. So uh, <laughs> so I – and then I re I, – I put my foundation on after. However – I am a makeup in transit person, which means after we are so lucky we have GMA hair and makeup in the morning. But after that point, I oftentimes will on the train be the girl on the train doing her own makeup because once I try and use transit as an opportunity, I listen to your podcast. (laughs) I read books. I read articles and I do my makeup. I'm that girl. I love it. (laughs) I like on the train, on the subway. Is that that in your calendar? (laughs) That No, it's not in my calendar, but I do. I have, um, I'm very specific. I do my makeup the same way every time so that it doesn't, there's no reinvention. It's kind of like. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So then whenever it comes to transit, I mean, it seems like you have a tight schedule. Are you, this is something I didn't do early on in my career. It was consider that buffer time in between meetings to even just use the bathroom, eat some food (laughs) to get to one place to another. We both work from home, so it's a lot easier. We're just always where we need to be. Which is great. 
Totally. But still, like scheduling in that five minutes in between to use the bathroom and take a breathing break. Is that in your calendar? Um, I don't have a breathing break in my calendar. However, (laughs) when I schedule things, I try to always be cognizant that there's got to be like five minutes of buffer to run to the bathroom or drink some coffee. Okay, so we got really practical. I want to now get broadened out a little bit. We've been talking a lot about success. So how do you define success these days? The bottom line for me is happiness. Am I happy? How do you know? Am I? It's right. a good question. I really struggle with I've, this. Do you like, feel happy? I mean, most days I just feel like sometimes I'm so in the grind and so focused that if mm-hmm. I start thinking about whether I'm happy or not, then I start to kind of get miserable. Well, maybe don't think about I it. I know. I think no, I just need to not think about it. I um look, I think there's I, I think there's a lot of value in being introspective. At the same time, I think that sometimes you can overthink it. And you can, you know, I feel so grateful that I have the amount of things happening in my life right now that I do. I am overall really grateful about this career. Are there days where I'm like, I'm exhausted, I'm going to burn out? What? All the time. But when you look at it as a collective of all of these different things, my family, my friends, I feel overall really happy. And I think for me, I don't feel stuck, which is a pretty big deal. If you feel like you're stuck, that should be, I think, an indicator. If you feel I've been at places in my career where I felt like I was in a box and every day I would work myself up to say, "Okay, I'm going in. You're going to climb out of the box today. You're going in. You need a fresh start. If that's where you are in your career, I would say I've been there and it's a good time to think about how to get somewhere else. Um. But I define success as that freedom to explore and create and have curiosity and to also be surrounded by people who lift me up and and feel like genuine relationships where I, again, like I feel this gratitude. I have these real relationships in my life. My friends are my real friends. That's a huge thing. I love that so much. You know, one of the things that we think about all the time is your dream day, you know, what that looks like. And so for me, and I love the broad stroke definition, but whenever I get down into my dream day, whenever I look at the tasks, sometimes like, uh, this right. is hard. It's always going to, there are right? always going to be There's those, those things. things. But then overall, I mean, look, look, it's moments like these where I'm like, look, yeah, we're in ABC studios recording with Rebecca. This is incredible. And I feel the same way with you being here, sincerely. And I think that it's also really important to take stock of those moments. Um, something I did early on in my career that if I could go back and change something, there was always that what's next feeling because you are hustling and you don't want to let a single moment go to waste. You don't want to let a single opportunity not become something else. And if I could go back, I would keep hustling but I would enjoy that moment more. Yes, because, you know, this is something else I want to say for our listeners who are like, well, I want to be doing that because I certainly had those moments and I still have those moments. I mean, I'm sure you have those moments. We all have those moments. You need to schedule in those breathing breaks. Uh, no, but I, <laughs> that's do you the have answer, breathing guys. breaks on your calendar? I don't, don't <laughs> actually, but I should. I definitely had pinch me moments at the, you know, at the infancy of my career, like even just being able to go onto my back porch and pot a plant. 
in the middle of the day. Yeah. That was like a pinch me. Like, I can't believe that this is my life. And so, sorry, it's like therapy session. I would define happiness by just that. Like, I can't believe that I get to live this life. You know, and even yes. through some of the hard things. So like my kid is throwing a fit. I still can't believe I get to live this life. How cool is that? Okay, so where can our listeners find No Limits and more about you? So wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis. And anywhere on social media, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat, I am at Rebecca Jarvis everywhere. And what makes you feel most boss? being here with you oh shoot (laughs) you win i love you girls thank you (laughs) best answer ever (laughs) thank you hey bosses i want to tell you about the ceo day kit the ceo day kit is 12 months of focus planning for your business in just one day so emily and i have packaged up the exact tools that we've been consistently using for years that have helped us grow from baby bosses to the ceos of our own businesses gain clarity find focus get momentum prioritize your time make better decisions and become more self-reliant with the ceo day kit Go to courses.beingboss.club to learn more and see if it's a fit for you and your business. We'd like to give a shout out to our partner, FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. You can try it for free for 30 days, no credit card needed, and cancel anytime. Just go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. Special thanks to our sponsor, 2020, who is offering our Being Boss listeners a five-photo free trial. To start yours right now, go to 2020.com slash beingboss. That's the word 20, then 20.com slash beingboss to get five free photos. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brame. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our Being Counter, David Austin. With support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.